The Pace Line is supported by LAL Cycling. The Coast is calling. LAL Shore Collection embodies the spirit and style of the California Coast. All LAL products are crafted right here in Southern California for shipment worldwide. And the Pace Line is brought to you by Health IQ. You ride your bike, you stay in shape, you deserve lower life insurance rates. Head over to their website, healthiq.com forward slash paceline, and find out how much your riding can save you on premiums. Now on to the show. Hello, Paceliners. Hottie here. I'm homebound, getting ready to do the next edition of the Paceline, of course. Now, if you ever thought about doing your own podcast, here's a little thing to remember. Inevitably, as you're getting ready to record, these guys will show up. Hey, do you listen to the pace line? I hope so. Enjoy the show. Line, the podcast on two wheels. Welcome to show number 70. Somewhat familiar voice here. I hope so, folks. Hosting this time around, Michael Houghton here. Fatty not with us uh, for show 70, unfortunately. So the formatics, uh, we might change them up a little bit. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> uh, but we do have two of us today. Two out of three. Not bad. We can still, you know, do our thing, have our little working group, do what you expect. That's what we're hoping for. And um, the other half of the show, Patrick Brady, founder of Red Kite Prayer, president, CEO, publisher, chief writer, Just all stop. of the above, is <laughs> <laughs> not in his usual spot, his secret location, Northern California, Santa Rosa. Uh, he is in Emporia, Kansas. Yeah. What in the what in the H are you doing in Emporia, Kansas? Well, right now I'm sitting in a home in wonderful residential suburban uh, Emporia. Uh, this is the Goo Crash Pad uh, with Yuri Hoswald and a number of other people uh, from actually all over the place. Uh, former pro writer Janelle Holcomb is here. Allison Tetrick's going to be here a little later, I'm told. Uh, the, uh, uh, let's see, Cyclist's Menu uh, folks, uh, uh Man, I would have to go in blank now. Uh, Xander and uh, his significant other, they're here. It's What's a, that? What's Cyclist Menu? They're doing uh, training camps specially geared toward gravel riders. And they're about to leave the Boulder area and move to Tucson, uh, where they'll be reading, uh, leading several different uh, camps each year. Uh, they're going to do one in Mendocino County in late October. So I'm just getting to know Xander and Heidi, and they're really cool people. So we did a, a ride today, uh, I don't know, eight or nine of us, and that's when I first really got to start talking with both Xander and Heidi. And, you know, I'd been hearing about them from Yuri, and it's it's a really neat operation they've got going. But we'll we'll talk about the little ride we did in an interview with Yuri a little bit later. Mm -hmm. So they lead... A gravel ride, or like almost like a tour group, but for gravel, focused on gravel uh, and nutrition. Nutrition's a big part oh. of what they do. Xander is a chef, and so a lot of what he's doing is helping people learn how to eat when they travel and how to better prepare the food that they feed themselves uh, as they, you know, as they train and as they race. So this isn't just oh, we're going to take you on some cool rides. There's a, a, a much more gestalt approach to this, and a big, big piece of it is nutrition. Hmm, sounds really cool. So tell us about Emporia, Kansas. I mean, this, uh, this is the granddaddy now of adventure bike races, Dirty Kansas. I don't think, do you think there's anything bigger, better going than, than this thing? Find me something that brings in 7,000 people, and I'll, I'll say mm -hmm. yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, 
I love the grasshoppers, but you know, if you get 500 people for one of those, that's a pretty good turnout. And this is, you know, gosh, yeah, it's, you know, thousands of people. It's like Levi's Grand Fondo. Um, there aren't a lot of rides around the country that ever eclipse uh, 5,000 people. You know, that just, that doesn't happen, happen much. Um, so, and so it's, it's 5,000 entrants, both for the 100 and 200 combined? No, it's it's seven thousand ish for all four lengths. So Whoa. yeah, there's a two hundred, the one hundred, which is what I'm doing. There's a uh-huh. fifty, and there's a twenty five. So no matter what variety of rider you are, you know, no matter what your fitness level is, what your skill level is, if you want to go out and you know battle with the Flint Hills of Kansas, you know, you can do that. There's an option out there. Uh, I mean, I could see coming back someday you know, with my tandem and one of my boys and doing the 25 or the 50. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, it's really something. And the way this town has turned out for this event is just mind blowing. I haven't seen anything like this in years and years. You know, you go by a gas station, you go by a local market, you go by, you know, a barbecue place and they all have signs out front and they're all saying, you know, welcome dirty Kanza, welcome DK 200 riders. You know, they're, they're making it known that they're happy to have everybody here. This, this is a pretty significant economic shot in the arm. And we'll, we'll hear more about that in a minute uh, in my interview uh, with Adam Blake. Uh, so, yeah. So how does one get to Emporia? Um, <laughs> you remember the movie Planes, Trains, and Automobiles? Sure. <laughs> it's a little like that. I mean, not, not nearly as stressful, but... Um, so I flew into Kansas city and then from there, uh, I got a rental car and drove, uh, two showers, uh, you know, maybe a little more, uh, uh-huh. to get to Emporia. So Emporia sits between Kansas city and Wichita. It's about equidistant between the two. Uh huh. So there's a lot of stereotypes about Kansas, about what it looks like, feels like, does the state, does the area live up to that? Is it all cornfields and flatlands or did you or do you have a different impression of the place it's it's reasonably flat in you know big chunks of the state but you know this event is known for its rolling hills they call it a roller coaster you know you crest one hill come screaming down the other side and do all you can to hold your momentum into the next hill so that you're not you know grinding your way all the way up that next hill and you know that's that's kind of what this event is really known for that and the wind and you know whichever course you do no matter which way the wind is blowing you're going to get the wind in the the, the wind in your face at some point so right. it's it's not without challenge um you know i i haven't really seen a lot in the way of kind of open prairie uh there's been a lot of grass i haven't seen any corn yet um you know but certainly <laughs> you know plenty of farmland We've seen our share of cows, you know, but it, in that regard, it's, it's no great surprise. Yeah. And Emporia, what size of town is it? I don't know the actual size of the town. I haven't had a chance to look that up yet, uh, but this yeah. is a small town. It is sure. definitely a small town. Under 100,000 is my guess. Um, oh, not bad. Okay. You know. Uh, they have traffic lights in. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. um, but as I've learned, uh, I've been told this is the poorest county in all of kansas so this is not um a, a particularly bustling small town uh you can you can see you know what uh what an impact this ride has sure it, it was the ride i mean the leadville story is that the ride was created to help a town that was in dire need economically is that the story here too or is it a different one no, it really isn't because it started off, uh, I believe Jim told me it was about 35 people who were on the very first ride and they just wanted to go out and do something insanely hard. That's really a big chunk of how the, you know, the, the nature of the, you know, nearly self-supported ride, you know, you can, you've, you've got some help here and there, um, you know, you, you're able to stop off at some, uh, some aid stations, um, uh, that, you know, where you have, uh, people have taken stuff ahead for you, but it's, uh, um, yeah, guys are back. Um, 
it's That's all right <laughs> yeah it's uh you know it's not the the traditional century sort of thing where you roll up and they've got oreos and orange slices and you know oh. all that sort of stuff uh you've got to be prepared you know uh there are people who who can get your stuff to the aid stations but if you didn't have it ferried there for you um it's not going to be there yeah so i take it you've been out and about trying to get a little intel yeah uh who have we been talking to uh so uh, i did that ride with yuri earlier today and uh also i went to uh, a local shop and talked to the manager adam blake and uh he helped me out with a, a need i needed a uh gps mount because i'd left mine back home and nice. this was a uh, my bike was very very late coming together um you know no fault of any one person it's just one of those things things were coming together at the absolute 11th hour uh, but i am pleased to say i now have one ride on an allied alpha all road and uh Ooh, it's pretty Ooh. sweet. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll get into that at, at yes. some other point. Um, but anyway, I, I dropped by uh, Adam's shop and we had a little chat. So I'm with Adam Blake of Gravel City Adventure and Supply. Uh, you're the manager of the shop? Yes, sir. Very cool. And you've just done me a big favor with a Wahoo mount. But we were talking about the way the town turns out for this event. I want you to give our listeners a sense of, you know, just how big a deal this is for this town. Yeah, so this is a, a huge deal for the town uh, and surrounding towns. Uh, we couldn't do this without the support of our town and our support towns. Um, it is something that people can get behind and be really proud of. It's something that helps uh, boost the economics of the town, the economy of the town, and it's something that um, People feel with the finish line that we have and the finishing shoot, people feel like they can really be a part of the race. So they're not just spectators, they're part of it. They make uh, the race for us. Yeah. Um, when we pack six to 7,000 people and Commercial Street, uh, it is a sight and a sound like no other in racing. Is this kind of the biggest event of any sort that happens here during the course of the year? This is as big as it gets in Emporia. Uh, Emporia State supports a, a good football team, a good baseball team, and some good sporting events. Uh -huh. But as far as a one-shot go, um, the disc golf is very popular here, and they've yeah. supported uh, World Cup World Cup type disc events, uh -huh. but this is the cream of the crop when it comes to an event in Emporia. Very cool. I mean, it's, you know, there are certainly plenty of times where I go to a town for an event and, you know, unless you knew it was happening, you wouldn't know that there was some sort of bike race happening. It's like, you can't escape it here. You know, like you mentioned, gas station has a sign up. The, uh, I went to Billy Sims for barbecue, you know, welcome DK 200 riders. Uh, it's it's pretty amazing um so i mean it does seem to really have strong penetration here yeah it's resonating not only um with support but we're seeing a growing budding cycling community it inspires people um they come to that finish line they get ramped up they ring their cowbell and they want to cycle they want to take part in uh, our growing of the dirty kansas into the 25 50 100 and 200 allows all riders of all yeah. styles of all experience levels to take part of this and be part of the premier gravel event in the nation yeah very cool and i noticed that you know like you've got gravel city roasters just mm -hmm. down the street this town really seems to own that mantle of of the gravel road yeah i think it's something that the community wants to establish themselves as the gravel capital of of the you know continental us um dirty reaver and other events are happening outside of the country uh -huh. that are great um but when it comes to in the states uh emporia wants to be on the map as the place to go for gravel racing and gravel riding yeah yeah wow very cool well I'm going to get dirty. Yeah, you are. You're going to have fun. Yeah, had a good little ride this morning. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Yep, it's a roller coaster. So that was Adam Blake, and uh, they're, they've got a really neat shop. It's uh, partly an apparel, men's apparel, and then half bike shop. Uh, kind of a different sort of operation. Uh, neat guy, 
and you know told me he was working you know long long days there getting ready for the event they're going to be open at four o'clock in the morning on saturday to help people with any last minute needs they have I want to get back to the number of entrants. Seven thousand people are going to line it up. Line it up for this thing. Do they stage uh, the thing? Are there corrals? How are they going to organize all those people? I learn about that tomorrow in the rider meeting. Yeah. <laughs> and is your start time different than the two hundred starters? I, I, uh, I think we're a little yeah. later, but I learn exactly how that works tomorrow. There are, yeah, there's a rider meeting that you absolutely have to attend. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it's, uh, it's, you know, they, they really go out of their way to make sure you're educated in terms of what you need to expect uh, and what you need to uh, be aware of that they're not going to do for you. Um, yeah. This is much more like an old style uh, randonnée where it's like, here are your checkpoints, knock yourself out, kid. Mm-hmm. Have the porto potties showed up yet? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like how many are there? I, I, I'm going to bet they have enough. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, for now, I'm, I'm a little bit blind, but I'm, I'm learning. Yeah, they've <laughs> got 7,000 bladders showing up at a start line. Yeah, really. Um, they've got a really detailed uh, Bible. Uh, I've taken a couple of reads through it, but I, it's one of those things that I need to familiarize myself with it even more. Yes, yes. What else? You've got more. Uh, you've been you've been searching out some real experts, too, I think. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, because I've got ready access to a, a former winner of Dirty Kanza. You know, I knew as soon as I rolled into town, I needed to hook up with Yuri to get a little familiarity with some of the roads, you know, what the conditions were like. And he took a bunch of us out uh, for a ride today, and uh, it was enlightening. So here's Yuri. So Yuri, you took me out and, and a few other folks uh, for a ride this afternoon, checking out a little bit of the course. Um, God, I don't even know what our mileage was. 25-ish? Yeah, I think we had about 24, 25 miles. Um, and, and not all of that was course, though. Yeah. Right, right. But pretty representative of what Dirty Kanza is. Um, how would you describe those conditions? First, just for listeners in general. And then let's talk about, you know, in comparison to other years you've been here. Uh, well, so to backtrack a little bit, we got some rain last night, which actually is a good thing because um, they didn't get a ton of rain, um, but I guess it's been pretty bone dry. So, And they've also put some fresh gravel out there in spots too, so the rain actually helps tamp that down. Uh, I thought the conditions were actually pretty tacky. They were pretty good. Um, we bailed off the course um, about 10 miles in where it gets real peanut butter, peanut buttery mud, um, the prairie peanut butter. Uh, we saw people cleaning their bikes there, so that's when we deviated off the course. Right. Uh, if we don't get any more rain, I think the conditions will be pretty perfect. So what we that peanut butter we saw them clawing off their tires today, you think by Saturday that that'll be a different scene right in there? Knocking on wood for that, Patrick. <laughs> totally. I mean, yeah, that's what that's what I'm thinking. Looking at weather and talking to some people. Okay. But I mean, if it if it is muddy, I mean that means you run, you know. So, yeah. or in my case, walk. Walk, run. <laughs> yeah. Um. Now, okay. So, in comparison to other years, you know how how do these conditions? Pretty good. Uh, yeah. Obviously, nothing compares to 15. That was the most biblical, gnarly, muddy year ever. Um, I would say this is pretty comparable to to other years. Last year we had a bit of rain at the beginning um, that muddied up some of the lower line sections of the opening of the course that messed mm-hmm. people up. Um, I don't see that happening. So I think we're you know we're trending well, dude. We're looking good this year on all on all fronts. Now, as the winner of fifteen, uh, the winner in biblical conditions, <laughs> um, would you say that really awful conditions favor you? Is it is that just you know, part of where your strength uh, comes through? Uh, definitely. Uh, it speaks to my, I don't know, dumb and, you know, endurance, bang my head against the locker kind of mentality or whatever you want to call it, <laughs> you know, persistence. Um, but yeah, the muddier, the better. I think if I can keep my bike mechanically right. working right and, and riding smart, um, the shittier the conditions, the better for me. I don't know. I'm able to turn something off in my brain um, for better or worse, <clears throat> I think. 
Let's go with yeah. better. Yeah, better. Okay. Yeah, better. Um, and you're running a Lao Fork this year. I am really stoked to be running a Lao Fork. Uh, I started riding for them last year, shortly after the DK, mm -hmm. um, and raced the grit at Rebecca's Private Idaho to some pretty stellar um, results for me in times and stuff like that. So, yeah, I'm really excited to be riding that, that bike. Uh, that fork is just the perfect um, tool for, for the gravel. Very I cool. think, yeah, definitely. Yeah, you were you were saying earlier, it seems to help you stay fresher. Definitely saves your hands and shoulders and upper body from the the jarring that you'll get for for 200 miles, which adds up um, in so many different ways. Um, takes its toll. So to 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 have that bit of dampening keeps you fresh. I mean, I saw the results of that at Rebecca's uh, Private Idaho last year. Mm -hmm. When guys in the group were shaking out their hands and sitting up and doing the old man back stretch, you know, that I have kind no of familiarity stuff. with no, that. Yeah, neither do I, right? Uh, but then, and I was still feeling, you know, good sitting in my drops. I was like, well, that's the fork. Um, so, yeah, super pleased and uh, excited to be heading to Iceland actually in July for, you know, that little secret, secret thing. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Envy. Yeah. Yeah. Hashtag envy. Uh, very cool, man. Well, uh, naturally, as always, I wish you lots of luck on yeah. Saturday. Um, I won't need but maybe half the luck or, 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 or one third. All I have to do is finish. Well, I want to ask you a question. Let me flip this on, on its head here. So as a first timer out here, what did you think of the conditions and the gravel and like what were you expecting? Because I think that might give people, your listeners, a good... Uh, you know, representation of, you know, a NorCal guy coming out to gravel for the first time. What, what really amazed me was that the, uh, the rolling resistance could change so much in six inches. You move six inches to the right or left off of that hard pack, and suddenly you could feel that softness in, in the soil. Yeah, and it was like, oh, wow. No, I'm just going to stay over here. Uh, this is the line. I will stay right here. I don't care what gets in my eyes. Yeah. Um, that said, you know, it was pretty stellar out there, but we had the advantage of the moment it was going to get nasty, we turned left. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I was sort of best case scenario today. Yeah. It wasn't very long. Yeah. We, we stuck to better roads. So, um, and you got a taste of the conditions, what the corners look like, what the chunkiness, right? The chunkiness yeah. of the gravel will change throughout the day too. You know, I mean, right. Yeah. Right. It's a trip. Yeah. So. Uh, it was the perfect introduction for me, you know, it's like, okay, I'm familiar with this sort of stuff. I've still got the bike to get used to a little bit more with only one ride on, on it so far, but uh, I'm set. I'm, I'm psyched. Yeah. Nice. Awesome, man. <laughs> cool. Kick butt. You too. Yeah, so it was, it was a pretty neat uh, little excursion, and uh, we're going to do another coffee ride tomorrow. And I'm doing a reading following that. And uh, so it's, you know, for people who are in town, uh, you can look up uh, Goo on Facebook and find out about it that way or uh, my post from today. Uh, we've got a link to details about the little coffee ride we're going to do tomorrow. And then, like I said, I'm doing a reading afterward. All right. Let's get down to the thing you and I love to talk about most. Uh, that is gear. <laughs> what is it you will be riding? I'm on the brand new Allied Alpha All Road. And so this is a 900-ish gram carbon fiber frame. Um, it's a little heavier at, from what I recall being told. I don't have full specs on it yet, but it's a little heavier than the standard road frame because of the disc mounts. But it's still a very light frame. It's very lively feeling. I was very impressed I, I need to stop saying very but it it's been applicable the uh the bike's equipped with the new uh durace 9100 di2 with hydraulic disc brakes and that stuff was just flawless uh it's interesting because the way the front derailleur mounts on uh the brazon on the seat tube uh 38 millimeter tires are really about all you're going to get in there. Even there's, though there's a little bit more room for a bigger tire uh, in the chainstays, it's actually the position of the DI2 front derailleur that I think will not mm. permit anything bigger than 38 millimeters. So I'm running the specialized triggers and 
that's the tire, I'm told, that has run, won each of the last five editions of Dirty Kanza. Oh. Yeah. Not that I'm going to be winning anything, right? <laughs> no, no, but still. I mean, I would figure a tire that either a shedded mud a little bit better or had a little was a little more robust than that. Uh, you're running the 38 triggers. I'm somewhat. I run the 33s uh, for running around town sometimes, and I've taken them on the dirt. Mm-hmm. So it's a little surprising. Not a real great mud shedder. Certainly a very fast tire. It rolls. Yeah. I mean, great. Yeah. So. Anything special with bar tape? Any extra padding anywhere? They double wrap the bar uh, on the mm-hmm. tops. They didn't mm-hmm. double wrap it the whole length, but they did double wrap the bar top, uh, and that was a, a pleasant little surprise. But uh, the the uh, cockpit is all uh, Shimano Pro stuff. So Good. Uh, the the carbon bar, and then there's you know a special uh, stem where all the wires are routed through there. So the whole routing is ultra clean Uh, it's a very svelte looking bicycle and the paint job of it wait till we get this up online it's a just gorgeous bike you know it really um buying cycle art and uh bringing jim and susan cunningham to little rock to oversee the paint on the bikes was a something even better than garden variety genius, maybe super genius move on Tony Carklin's part. Uh, that's really paying off in terms of producing just gorgeous bikes to look at. But the big okay. thing about this thing is, you know, I'd stand up on it and you could feel that, that extra stiffness at the bottom bracket and it, it tracked really well through turns. I'm still getting used to the feel, uh, to the geometry, the feel of the geometry, the handling on this bike's a little different than what I'm accustomed to. I believe the, sh- the wheelbase is just a, a hair shorter than what I've been riding, but the bottom bracket is noticeably higher and this has less trail than I've been riding. So it's more like a traditional road bike in that regard. Right. So yeah. the corners, I'm still getting a feel for that. I think part of uh, some of my hesitation at really railing corners today was that uh, the the shop wrench who pumped my tires up said he he was recommending uh, 45 front and 48 rear. And I think I want more like 38 front and 40 rear. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I was I was balancing the, the bike because the bike is so responsive and and probably more rigid than a traditional gravel adventure bike you're going to need some suspension some relief right and then yeah. the tires should provide that for you yeah. how about gearing what is it how's it geared uh so it's a compact front 5034 and then the cassette is an 1130 so right. you know no matter what happens with the hills here i'll be able to get up them unless it is that uh prairie peanut butter and i'm sure. off and walking but well i think anybody is then yeah you yeah even if you had a 42 you're off and walking at that point right Right, right. So it's, it, you know, the bike is pretty perfectly dialed. And even with only 140 rotors, my gosh, the braking power on this thing is just unbelievably good. And, you know, as I've noted, there's been an, uh, an evolution in the brake response on Shimano's hydraulic discs. You know, initially, those first brakes were super grabby. So if you touched yeah. your levers to try to just scrub a little bit of speed, and if there was anyone on your wheel, you'd hear, Whoa! Um, it, it, was, uh, it was shocking to those behind you. And they've really gotten much better in terms of your ability to just touch the levers and scrub a little bit of speed uh, to control your position relative to other riders around you. So, you know, for all those who remain doubters about uh, disc brakes and road bikes, my gosh, just go out and demo a bike. These things are unbelievable. Are uh, you going to wear a hydration pack or how yeah. are you going to handle? Hy- yeah. Yep. So I've got two big bottles, two 24 ounce bottles, and then an 85 ounce hydration pack. Um, and I'm, I'm still kind of considering what my options are for the rest of my hydration. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm bringing uh, a, uh, a reasonably lightweight Camelback. Um, I didn't want anything too big, but it's got a couple pockets in it so that I've got the ability to carry arguably enough food for the whole day so that all I have to do is top off my bottles or my hydration pack. Good. Okay. Yeah. Sounds like you're as ready as a rookie can be. I mean, go to the meeting and see what they have to say and then 
Yeah, the rest is up to God in Kansas, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna queue up uh, some some of the rock band Kansas's music. Uh, huh. I think I'm gonna go back and listen to I don't know Left Overture, Point of No Return. Sure. Uh, sure. Yeah, and uh, you know, try to try to summon that that prairie wind into my soul some. <laughs> And then do us a favor at the start line. There's going to be a lot going on through your head. I noticed Yuri, he's on the Lauf. And he's, you know, obviously sponsored and getting paid to ride the Lauf. Uh, but he sounds committed to it. Just take a quick glance around and count how many bikes you see uh, running those uh, a suspension fork. Because that thing, that's starting to bubble up now. We're starting to see more and more of that. I'd be interested to see, you know, per rider, per capita, how many suspension forks you might see out there. Yeah. You know, something I really wish that uh, Jim Cummins and Leland Danes, the organizers, would do would be to have some sort of central paddock uh, where, you know, all the bikes, I don't know, get inspected or something on Friday afternoon. I'd like mm-hmm. all the bikes in one place so I could wander around and just, you know, and do a Kona-style count. I saw a dude out, out riding on the road today, obviously here for the event, on a fat bike. You know, there's, yeah, um, here, here at the goo house, there's a kid from, uh, Fort Lewis college. He's going to ride it on a mountain bike. He's also strong as hell. So there's that. Um, (laughs) but you know, I mean, this is, this may sport the greatest diversity in bikes at a single bike event I've ever seen in my life. I I think it's already beaten that. And, you know, we haven't even started the event yet. It's a, it's a real surprise to see just how diverse things are. And man, uh, there are a lot of people who have shown up with absolutely a prime rides. Hmm. Well, we look forward to it all. We wish you luck uh, lining it up at Dirty Kansas. And uh, for folks uh, listening to this episode and you're catching it maybe after Kansas, I mean, listen to this one and then listen to the next one because Patrick will have a follow up on all his affairs and and what he learns about riding the Flint the Flint Hills of uh, Kansas, in and around Emporia. So we look forward to that. Patrick, good luck. Yeah, thanks, man. Take care. Ride safe. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'm told not to follow people too closely. (laughs) All right, we'll come back with uh, some news and notes um, from our Paceline world and, of course, our Paceline picks. That's next. I was wrong about Kansas. It was. It's an awesome place. It's a great place to ride, and there's something very unique about being so isolated out there with no homes and no cars and no really no people other than the you know couple thousand people who might be riding with you but even that you think it sounds like a really big event there'll be moments for every rider where you're totally alone out there I just man I'm really out there talking about Health IQ and how they are helping people to source better rates on life insurance. Recently, they updated their site with new insurers and the ability to serve more people. They've got special rates for cyclists, of course, and runners and triathletes, but also vegans and other health-conscious people now. We've mentioned they have quizzes, and these aren't just for fun. If you score elite on a quiz for a specific lifestyle, that can earn you a further discount on your life insurance. They've also replaced BMI with waist to hip ratio, which is a far better predictor of cardiovascular disease when it comes to athletes. Additionally, they replaced the LDL to HDL ratio with triglyceride to HDL ratio for people on low carb or paleo diets because that's a better predictor of cholesterol health. Amazingly, they will not take into account one incidence in a family history if you are otherwise healthy. It's like a get out of jail card. In other words, if one person in your family has had cancer or diabetes, they won't ding you for it. Finally, they can also get better rates for those with runner's heart or hypertension. Check them out at healthiq.com slash paceline. The Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels, and there's just two of us this time around. Patrick Brady in Emporia, Kansas, queuing up for the Dirty Kansas. Big one. Big time race, big time ride. 
And, uh, of course, you probably heard in the first half of our show all that Patrick has done to get ready for this thing, plus uh, some tips he got from around town, including the 2015 champ, Yuri Hoswald. Always good to hear from Yuri. Um, and uh, so, again, Patrick, we wish you luck uh, coming up in Dirty Kansas. And for the folks uh, listening to this show, again, listen to this one, then listen to the next one, get the little follow-up on what happened to Patrick in Kansas. Uh, some news and notes from the Paceline world, and we start with some sad news. Uh, Patrick, one of your uh, longtime contacts in the industry is no longer with us. Yeah, Sean Whitey, uh, who was press officer for a number of teams. I mean, I've been dealing with this guy since the early 2000s, uh, has passed away. Uh, we don't know the circumstances. He was only 49. Guy has five daughters. This is This is awful, just unthinkable in my head. And I mean, truly a consummate professional. He was with uh, Toyota United. He was with Rock Racing. Um, He was the guy at Rock Racing you could count on to give you, you know, something usable, something intelligent, something that wasn't completely overly hyped. Uh, He was like the the one rock in Rock Racing. He was also with Team Type 1. Most of my dealings with him over the years were uh, through his work with uh, BMC Racing, most recently, he's been with Axie and Hoggins Berman. And yeah, this is just such a shock. Um, I, you know, I'm curious to hear what happened in a certain sort of level. I'm, you know, yeah, I'm just curious. It doesn't really make any difference. This is an awful loss for the industry. Yeah. But of course, it's a much bigger loss for his family. I feel just terrible for his, his daughters. You know, some of them were still quite young. And his poor wife to have to continue on uh, as a parent without him. This is this is massively tragic, and you know it's. Um, oh I, yeah, I'm I'm at a loss for words. Obviously, yeah, we send our best to his family and uh, thoughts and prayers from the entire pace line uh, following. So, uh, so so yeah. sorry to hear about that news. Uh, some yeah. other stuff here too. Uh, Bruce Gordon Cycles is for sale, Patrick. This is almost unbelievable. Uh, Bruce recently posted on his website the fact that he is putting up for sale pretty much everything but his tire business. I'll I'll read what he wrote here. He said, he wrote, I should say, I will be 69 years old in the middle of June, and it is time time, that is I retire from the day-to-day grind. I will still sell rock and road tires. But I'm looking for someone to buy and take over Bruce Gordon Cycles and run it. Included are all the products, frames, racks, stems, brakes, taillights, toe clips, pumps, and the museum of all the bikes he has made for himself since 1974, which number over 30. Also included two years, 10 months of a lease. Uh, There's a five-year possible renewal on the space, which is about 4,000 square feet. Equipment uh, he's got for sale includes a, this stuff will mean more to you than me, Patrick, a Bridgeport vertical mill, a horizontal Milwaukee mill, a lathe, a metal saw, three of them, a a 10 horsepower compressor, I know what that is, rack tube (laughs) cutting machine, rack bending equipment, fixtures for frames, racks, toe clips, a powder coating setup, inventory, and many other things. Yeah. Um, he puts his phone number out here. The asking price, and, and Bruce didn't post it himself, but we hear the asking price is a quarter million dollars. A GoFundMe page has started. They've hardly gotten anywhere with that. Um, but first of all, Patrick, this is kind of surprising. I mean, first of all, uh, I saw just a year ago, or maybe it was two, two um, nabs ago, Paul Sadoff and and Bruce got together and started making bikes together. I love these bikes, Schnozola. Yeah. I mean, two Jewish guys getting together to build frames, and they're using the slang word for giant nose as their moniker. It <laughs> seems things, things to be happening for Bruce again, but this is this is history potentially going away, is it not? Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, the, the, the challenge I see in him selling his business, and that, it makes me sad, but, you know, on the other hand, you know, yeah, dude's going to be 69. He has a right to retire, um, you know, or I can respect his desire to retire. But unless he really has, you know, someone he he mentors um, to to have the level of skill that he has, I don't think people understand just how incredibly skilled a builder Bruce is. When I think of all the people working in steel, you know, in the U.S., 
uh, and their relative abilities in terms of you know shaping lugs and doing good fillets uh, he's got to be skills wise in the top 10 he's a, a very very smart guy very creative uh, very artful when he hangs up his torch it's really going to be a loss um, and I you know I hate to see it but I, I get that you know yeah he doesn't want to follow the day-to-day grind I he you know it makes sense so what what were some of the things that you think he brought that that no one else did or he introduced or what what was some of bruce's signature pieces well he did some really interesting uh carbon to titanium lug bonded frames um Mm. he oh yeah just some of his work in titanium plus you know some of the lug work that he did in steel um, he did a lot of bilam stuff. The thing that I first saw from him some years back, and I've since seen it one or two other times, were some cantilevered rear racks that he was doing. So instead of the rack sitting up above the rear wheel, it was out, you know, sort of 45 degrees from the rear dropouts. So it was further behind the bike and down lower. Uh, kind of the rear version of a front low rider. And it was one of those things that when I saw that, I thought, oh my gosh, the weight distribution on that is just genius. I bet that bike handle is really great. Of course, you know, I think Bruce is is entitled to say whatever he wants about it. But, you know, it was a bike he built for himself. And yes, his, uh, his account of how that thing handled made me sort of salivate to have one of his bikes uh, someday. Not mm-hmm. going to get that chance, it looks like. No, well, I was going to propose, uh, you know, it's a quarter million dollars. I understand that's a lot of money, but we could make this part of the RKP empire. You know, we add a, <laughs> add a bike building business while you're at it. Uh, I'm good with verbs. I'm not so good with steel. <laughs> Look, you, I, I saw pictures of you laying up carbon recently. Yeah. Is this not happening? A little a torch, get it going, well, little heat, little steel. Let, let's stick to our, our verb tenses. It did happen. It is not <laughs> happening more in the future. Having now done one, I'm terrified of doing two. You know, it's, gosh, that was crazy difficult. Uh, yeah. I, was, I was sweating the whole way through. Yeah. <laughs> the, the number of people who contacted me after seeing the lead photo on that post, it's like, oh, I've seen that face of concentration before. Um, <laughs> it was it was funny. People recognized me working hard. Well, if you're interested in Bruce Gordon cycles, it is for sale, and it is going to cost a little bit of money. But actually, we hope it lands in good hands with someone who cares and understands what he was about, and, and can find a way to further. I, I think Patrick. Otherwise, it's better off just to, maybe it does uh, retire with Bruce in the end, and as opposed to someone buying it and and misusing what he's built there. So, well, you know what I think would be really great is if an existing builder took it as an opportunity Mm -hmm. to add more tooling to their operation and move to Petaluma. Somebody who's in a space now that is not great in a market that's not great, but is a gifted builder, you know, they should jump in on that. And, you know, a guy like Chris Bishop who keeps talking about moving to California and getting out of Baltimore you know, somebody like that who's wanted yeah. to have an opportunity to pivot into California and step into, you know, a good workspace um, and a market that can actually sustain a builder. That's what this is. It's not really a buy for somebody who wants to be a builder. It's a genius buy for somebody who is a builder and needs more space, more tools and a better market. Okay, let's uh, move on to pace line picks now. And uh, what the hell? Maybe I'll go first with pace line pick uh, this time around. Uh, Memorial Day weekend was a great one for racing. And I'm not talking Tom Dumoulin's masterful TT to regain the pink jersey, although that was great. I'm talking about auto racing. Early Sunday morning, we had F1's marquee race, the Monaco Grand Prix, with Ferrari back on top for the first time in years. Mm. Then came the greatest spectacle in racing, the Indianapolis 500, which featured a nasty crash. How Scott Dixon's car somewhat held together is beyond me, and how he even walked away is even more of a miracle. But the race I'm sorry I missed was NASCAR's Coca-Cola 600. 
The race actually wrapped up not Sunday, but Monday morning. It was hampered by weather, featured the usual bumping and grinding and crashing, and ended with drivers bickering about who did what around the Charlotte Motor Speedway. Typical NASCAR stuff. Did anybody slug anybody Na- else? Uh, no, <laughs> not, not this time around. Uh, NASCAR probably has passed its peak. Ratings and attendance have been on the decline. To renew interest this year, the series has added races within the race called stages. It's like preems in a crit with drivers getting championship points for finishing in the top 10 on certain laps. What it's really done is is created more unnecessary aggression and crashes. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty easy to look down the nose of NASCAR and its fans, especially if your seat is on the balcony of the Monte Carlo Casino. But I like the men and women who make all those left turns. I like them not so much for what they do behind the wheel, but what they do on a bike. You see, there's a core of NASCAR drivers who use the bike to stay fit. This is nothing new. Motorcycle racers have long used the bike to keep skills up and improve endurance. What is unique about the NASCAR Peloton, if you will, is their commitment to educate drivers about giving cyclists a break on the road. Prior to this weekend's uh, Coca-Cola 600, Matt Kenseth, Jamie McMurray, Chase Elliott, to name a few, were led by seven-time cup champ Jimmy Johnson on a memorial-slash-safety ride. The 69-mile ride was to honor motorcycle racer Nicky Hayden. The the MotoGP rider was killed while riding his bicycle in Italy. He wore number 69. So two days before the Coca-Cola 600, the NASCAR drivers and about five dozen other riders put in 69 miles to honor a fellow racer and to remind drivers that we are out there with them. Johnson had this to say about uh, bike car safety and his fellow racer. You know, it's a tough environment out there. Bikes are intended to ride on the road with motorists. There's always a conflict between motorists and cyclists. I think cyclists really need to take the the first step and obey traffic laws, ride smart. Um, But at the same time, motorists need to understand that the bikes are not supposed to ride on sidewalks. It's not the law. Uh, We're to share the road. And uh, you know, 30 seconds you might might lose isn't worth someone's life that's on the bike. So I think we can all coexist better on the roads. Um, but today, honestly, is more about honoring Nikki and you know the cycling community here in the Charlotte area and the greater motorsports community here in the Charlotte area. Just want to ride and, and uh, honor them. Now I'm sure there are F1 and Indy drivers who also ride bikes, but my baseline pick goes to the racers with a roll cage, a restrictor plate, and a bike rack. That's my pick. Very cool. That's nice to hear somebody speak up that way, especially someone as prominent as he is. He's a good driver, and um, I'll have to say I've been following NASCAR a little bit this year. Um, I I saw their new format. It kind of intrigued me. Um, And, uh, you know, it's those guys don't have it easy. I mean, I can't imagine banging doors and – and fenders and panels is uh, anything you really want to go through for four hours. But they do it. And then some of them at least have a conscience about, you know, real drivers, regular drivers, and bicyclists and so forth. So it's good to see, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. All right, sir, you got a pick? I do. I do. This may seem a little obvious, but I'm rolling with the new Durace Di2 with hydraulic discs. Oh, my gosh. Just one ride in. You know, I... I'm a big advocate for people going and checking out demo days at bike shops. You know, when some bike company uh, rolls into town, you know, with their demo fleet, just go and check out, you know, the bikes. Even if you don't think you're going to buy a pivot or a track or whatever, I think it's a great opportunity to get an education and people just to see what's out there uh, ought to visit their local shop and see if they can't get at least, you know, a mile or two on this new Dura Ace. We've come so far since when I first started riding, you know, those those campy calipers and friction shifting. This new group is mind-blowing in terms of how flawlessly it operates. And even as, you know, this gunk uh, from the dirt roads here in Kansas was getting in the derailers and whatnot, the stuff just, you know, I didn't have to worry that, oh, am I pressing too hard? Is it... Uh, is something going to get caught in the chain and rip a derailleur off? It was just absolutely flawless. I can't wait to really put this stuff through its paces. 
Uh, that has the synchro shifting, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> I haven't tried programming that yet. I mean, uh, you know, I've, it's been in my possession for about eight hours. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm sure you'll be geeking out for the next eight then. So have yeah. fun with that. Yeah. The DI2 again, good luck at Dirty Kanza. Now, Thanks. Um, before we wrap up the show, let's... Uh, do you have anything on Red Kite Prayer, by the way? I know you're busy with Dirty Kanza, but you're also responsible for publishing a website. <laughs> What's What are on the pages of Red Kite Prayer these days? Yeah, well, so there's been another piece that I've posted about my trip uh, to Little Rock to visit Allied and talks about, you know, what they really do in terms of producing their frames. Um, it, learning about them gave me an a- opportunity to get more insight into how other companies do things. But also, you know, where the real opportunities were uh, in terms of streamlining production if you bring the factory in-house. Once you actually own the factory and aren't a client of a factory, you know, what does that present you? Um, There's also a really unusual saddle uh, from a relatively new company called SQ Lab that I reviewed. And, uh, you know, it's it looks a little funny, but man. I find it really, really comfortable. And uh, so that went up. And uh, so far, the feedback on that is that people are pretty curious about it. I'll also have sometime soon uh, a post on the three days that I spent in Bentonville uh, riding the single track there. So just getting started on that post now, but it's not quite up yet. And I can imagine some words will come to you about this little ride you're going to do this weekend too, called Dirty Kansas. So yeah, I'm I'm figuring a you know a couple hundred verbs. <laughs> okay, a few of them. Yeah, and of course uh, you can find the pace line on the pages of Red Kite Prayer. Good spot to check out some additional links and photos, and leave us a comment about the show. We're also on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Music, and TuneIn Radio. If you know what that is, um, so check us out there. Subscribe, rate us. Uh, we love the ratings. And Fatty reads them once in a while, too. We look forward to getting Fatty back for next show. For now, uh, for Patrick Brady, I am Michael Hutton. Thanks for checking out the pace line. This ain't no time for jibber jabber. I pity the fool. That's my Mr. T impression. And that's a pretty damn good one. Yeah.